What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Raw Roundup. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, and I am over here psyched after Monday Night Raw this week. Oh, man. If it were up to me, I'd probably do a half-hour podcast trying to break down all my thoughts about this week's vignette that that was done in secret, done via QR code at some point in the show. Something hyping this Friday's SmackDown. We're going to get into it. Trust me, I've got thoughts. Before we get there, though, I first want to give a little bit of love to one of our listeners who was kind enough to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This one goes out to Tim Daniel 518 who left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Huge, huge respect to that man. He said, fun podcast. This pod is a joy to listen to during my work days. I don't always get to catch SmackDown. So Ryan does a great job of catching you up on the times you miss episodes. I also love his interviews that he does with superstars, especially the recent ones he's done with Gunther, Johnny Gargano, and Seth Rollins slash Becky Lynch. It's a must listen for WWE fans. Tim Daniel, thank you so much. I appreciate the love very much. Just make sure in the future when you're writing Gunther down, make sure you put it in all capitals because on the show he said he wants it to be all capitals. So let's give the man what he wants. Let's write it out as Gunther in all caps. Let's get to this show because I am filled to the brim with excitement wanting to talk about this white rabbit stuff. And we got to get there first. So 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 let's get through this. <laughs> let's get there. First show starts off with Seth Rollins versus Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. This was an unexpected way to kick off the show. I definitely was not thinking that this was going to start the show. I assumed this would maybe end the show, maybe be in the second hour and they would build up to it. But no, they got your attention right from the start. And I, I, I really like it. I, I, I thought this was a good way to get people's attention right from the beginning. I, I think that, you know, I've mentioned that switching up the formula isn't bad. I think that switching up the formula to start off with a main event level, uh, main event level match cannot complain about that, especially when you're talking about raising the prestige of the United States title. Because at that point, when it starts off the show, I do think that there's a lot of wrestling fans. I'm not necessarily one of those people feels this way but I do think that there are a lot of wrestling fans out there who seem to have this feeling that a a match in the main event because you know it has a finite amount of time you know it has to end by a certain point it takes away the mystique of the finish because you know the finish has to be coming within a certain point in time and so if you've got a title match it takes away from that thought process because you genuinely don't know when it's going to end because it could go for 10 minutes, it could go for 15 minutes, it could go for 20 minutes, it could go a whole hour. You never know. So I don't, I don't think it's going to go an hour. It's not like that's a normal thing we would see. But what I'm saying is it theoretically could, and I think that's why they started off the show with this match. There was a cool spot where uh, Rollins reversed a spear into a pedigree-like drop down. I say pedigree-like because he didn't quite hooked the arms, but they did call it a pedigree. It's clearly what he was going for, so I'll give him credit for that. And it looked cool regardless. I thought that match could have ended there, but Lashley kicks out. Um, Rollins, later in the match, attempts 
a Phoenix splash, but Lashley rolled out of the way. Seth goes for the stomp. He moves out of the way from that as well. Then Bobby puts Seth in the hurt lock. Seth reverses out of it, kicks him in the nuts, and that brings out Matt Riddle. He distracts Rollins long enough for Lashley to hit the spear and get the win. No issues here. I think that building Lashley up as the top guy on the show, as the top babyface on the show right now, who's holding a title, who's dominant, um, there's there's nothing wrong with that. They're doing a good job of making Lashley seem like the guy. And right now, in the absence of a world title, you need to feel like the show has an unbeatable force at the top. And I think that they are doing a solid job of making Lashley feel that way ever since Triple H just took, took over. He's had uh, matches against... You know, lower people on the card. He's now had Seth Rollins. He's been a fighting champion who is willing to say, who's willing to stand his ground when he says that this is his show. So I really like what they're doing with Bobby Lashley, and I didn't think it was time to take the title off of him anyway. Uh, Seth Rollins doesn't need it. I think that Seth Rollins still clearly is going to be involved with this Riddle feud, and that Riddle feud doesn't need the United States title at this point either. The two of them are, are killing it in their feud, and I think that it's clearly not ending. It's clearly not over. And so because of that, I don't think they need the title. They've got this blood feud going as it is, and the title is not going to help it. It is going to help Bobby Lashley cement himself at the top of the card on Monday Night Raw. Fancy car pulls up after that with damage control, pro- promoting a championship celebration after the commercial break. But first, there was an ad promoting Survivor Series war games dude survivor series war games awesome i uh i was talking with someone recently and they had asked me if i was in charge of wwe excuse me if i was in charge of wwe creative if the the reins were handed to me what some of the first few moves i would do were and one of the things i had mentioned to them was ending the raw versus smackdown element of Survivor Series. I just don't think it adds anything to the show. It used to be right after the draft, so there was no brand loyalty anyways. Uh, I do think that you could bring that back uh, with the Worlds Collide concept that they are doing with NXT or in other ways, but I just never felt like it connected with Survivor Series. I think people wanted to see an elimination match or something just different. I don't think the Raw versus SmackDown thing was really connecting. And so now we're getting the first WWE War Games match. I know we've had an NXT, but this is like on the main roster. This is this is a big deal that we're getting a War Games match with the with the top dogs in WWE. I'm guessing the Bloodline is going to be in the War Games match, and you make this like the War Games. You know this. You make excuse me. You make this like the Bloodlines match. No one can beat them in a War Games, similar to how you know back in the day it was the Four Horsemen's match or you know the, you know the match they were they were they were always. A part of for the most part or you know uh, for a while it was the undisputed era as well in nxt so you make you i think you can make this the bloodlines match now i'm wondering where we're gonna go with this because i do think there's a good possibility that this is where the Sami Zayn storyline really plays out with him involved in the bloodline i could see kevin owens on the other side i'm gonna write an article i think with more of my thoughts on who I think is going to be on what team. But you got to guess that two th- two teams that are a lock in those two War Games matches are the Bloodline and Damage Control. Okay, so then speaking of Damage Control, Bailey drives, uh, uh, Bailey drives Damage Control to the ring on a golf cart as tons of pyro and streamers 
go off. She plays up that there in her hometown before healing it up on all the people in her hometown. She thanks Dakota and EO for joining her on this ride. And Dakota takes the mic next and runs down Alexa Bliss, Asuka, and Bianca Belair, prompting an entrance from all three. Bianca says that she couldn't just sit back and let them disrespect her anymore. So she's there to change that. Uh, we get some more back and forth between both sides. And eventually, ba- Bailey calls Alexa a shell of her former self, which leads to Bliss challenging her to a match. Uh, Bliss knocks Bailey out. We'll get back to that. Now we're here. Okay. Now we're here. Uh, so at this point, uh, we see a backstage shot, f- fairly mundane backstage shot that you would see normally of Austin Theory warming up. But in the background, I noticed like this small QR code. And usually like WWE is pretty good about not putting QR codes on screen. That would be for like their production people and stuff. So I looked at it and I, I kind of like took a picture of, I went to like do like the picture thing that you would do for QR codes on your iPhone. And when I zoomed in a little more on it, I saw above it, the QR code said, come with me. So I then was like, whoa, wait a second. Oh my God. And when I clicked the, when I saw the link pop up, I clicked it, it takes me to WWE.com. And this is what played. So there's a white rabbit and the screen reads, feed your head. Now, if you listened to my SmackDown Roundup podcast, I talked about how when I was at SmackDown last week, that during one of the commercials, it, it went from carrying cross saying like up next carrying cross and then it went to commercial and in the commercial break they played feed your head by jefferson airplane and excuse me i said feed your head they played white rabbit by jefferson airplane <laughs> uh and 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 in that the song they say feed your head sorry got a little excited i'm excited here okay <laughs> so Follow along with me here. So they're uh they're so so like I said, they've been playing White Rabbit at the live events. I think I was just saying feed your head repeatedly, excuse me. Uh they're playing White Rabbit at, at uh SmackDown. Then over the weekend, they played White Rabbit as well. Uh both live events. At one point in the show, the lights go out, they play feed your head. I almost did it again. <laughs> they played White Rabbit, the people all pulled out their phones all of fireflies um and then it turns to a red light for a little while at the end of the song and then it's over so uh this video when you click the q when you follow the link from the qr code there's a white rabbit on the screen and the screen reads feed your head that's why i keep seeing saying feed your head because i'm looking at my notes here and it says feed your head so there's a white rabbit on the screen and the text says feed your head uh, there's like a Alice in Wonderland like uh, um, checkerboard around it. Uh, the bunny hops down a rabbit hole, and a game of hangman pops up. The question says, "Who killed the world?" Uh, the bunny graphic uh, starts guessing, and the first five letters that it chooses are D E M O N, demon. Then they then they guess X I U Y to correctly guess. You did. Who killed the world? You did. And in the corner of the screen, there's a spinning hourglass logo. Um, 
after the bunny guesses correctly, the text comes back on the screen saying, come with me. Like in the beginning where it said, feed your head. Then the date 9-23 flashes across the screen, which is this Friday. Then later in the show, at 9-23 p.m. Eastern Time, someone walked in the background of the screen with a QR code, with that same QR code again. <sighs> what does it mean? What does this mean? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, can I just say, I'm guessing if you follow me, you follow me there's a very good chance you saw me all night after that trying to piece things together and man i don't know if i've found clues that make sense or i'm just desperately trying to make sense of this and and somehow tie this to bray wyatt i i <laughs> And I don't really have an answer after after uh, this is over. I mean, what time is it right now? For me, it's 8.45. The show's been over for what? Like 45 minutes for me. I was doing my notes. Now I'm recording. And I just think, like, okay, if we're strictly fantasy booking here, right? And I'll go over. Well, first, you know what? Before I fantasy book. Well, let me, yeah, before I fantasy book. Let me sh- let me just pe- let me just like share with you some of the things I found because I don't know if these things actually mean anything, <laughs> but these are some of the things I found, and I think you'll want to hear them, right? That's why you're here. That's why you're here. You want to hear my analysis, right? So here's what I did. I just searched who killed the world because that's what the question asked, right? Who killed the world? And 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 apparently it's mentioned twice. In Mad Max Fury Road, um, someone analyzing there's a conversation over like what this means because apparently it's said and it's not super clear of what this means. Who killed the world? And you know, obviously Mad Max for you younger listeners, it's like a post-apocalyptic movie, right? So it's th- this is what this person who's trying to summarize what they think who killed the world means. It says, now, first and foremost, in the movie's setting, the phrase obviously relates to the apocalypse, which killed the world as we know it, and turned it into the madhouse we see in the movie. So then who actually, so who then actually killed the world? Now, seeing that context in which those words are spoken, they're obviously directed at Immortan Joe and his war boys and the kind of people they represent. It is thus directed at the ruthless dictators and their brutal followers based on power and aggression, incarnated by Immortan and his admirers, who originally killed the world in their power-hungry and brutal ways, and who now continue on exactly that path, if not an even more extreme war path. Excuse me, an even more extreme path. Especially when seen together with other messages like, our babies won't be warlords. The breeding, the breeding mothers are not just revolting against their oppression in Mortan Joe's harem, but even more so for a future where their children will not become like all the other war boys who once, quote, killed the world. Confusing, I know. It's a little confusing. But there does seem to be something in that? Some similarities? Am I grasping here? Because then a friend of mine saw... 
me point that, like just tweet that out because I don't know if it means anything. I just I don't know. I thought that it was interesting because Bray Wyatt is kind of like the kind of guy who who would kind of think deeply on this kind of level. And I'm like I'm saying I I don't know if this is Bray Wyatt. I I don't know what it is. I genuinely don't. This is just me kind of like. This is me guessing. This is all guesswork. And I hope you don't think that any of this means I know anything because I don't. I genuinely know nothing about who this could be for. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful because I'm a big Bray Wyatt fan. We've seen all these returning superstars. And obviously Bray Wyatt is number one on the list of, of, of wrestlers fans want to see come back. And if he's going to come back, he's going to do some some extreme imagery and, and this level of thought does seem to point to Bray Wyatt. Okay, so my friend sees what I wrote about this Mad Max thing, and he sends me this tweet from the beginning of the pandemic. It's Bray Wyatt wearing his fiend mask, and he says, Thanks to Baking Jason who made his mask, I fear not the apocalypse. I've spent my whole life preparing for a Mad Max society, so bring it. Hashtag... Zabalba. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that wrong. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Then a few minutes later, my friend says, well, look it up. Look up what this Zabalba is. So I look up what this Zabalba is. (laughs) And it says, Zabalba is the name of the underworld in Mayan mythology, ruled by the Mayan death gods and their, excuse me, Zabalba is the name of the underworld in Maya mythology, ruled by the Maya death gods and their helpers. In 16th century Verapes, the entrance to Zabalba was traditionally held to be a cave in the vicinity of Coban, Guatemala. Okay? You following me here? You following me still? Have I lost you at this point? Because now it gets kind of interesting. Someone posted on Reddit saying, on Twitter, if you check out, Wyndham, at Wyndham 6, Bray Wyatt, made a post on July 4th that said, anyone on here know anything about self Arkansas? And they also said, if you're a lo-, and then he also said, if you are a local and can navigate to the devil's hole, please let me know. Okay. Now I will say, when I was listening to this white rabbit stuff over the weekend, I was thinking in my mind, maybe it could be Bray Wyatt. I went and reread every single Bray Wyatt tweet this week. And no, I'm not a loser. Took me a while because it took me the whole day. But I read them all again. Looking for something, maybe some kind of clue about White Rabbit, something, something, anything, right? Just because I I'm like I said, maybe I'm trying hard to figure. I'm trying my hard. I'm trying my best to make something out of I don't know. At this point, it was just them playing a song, right? But then this person says, okay, so. The person I read says, I did research on self Arkansas, and it isn't even a town. It's an unincorporated community, which means it doesn't belong to a specific town, and it's not its own town. When I looked up the Devil's Hole in self Arkansas, I got linked to this forum post from 2004. There, it says a bunch of crazy stuff about the Devil's Hole in Boone County in self Arkansas, and in red text under the title, where it says moderator, their name is White Rabbit. All right, let's go to a quick commercial break, and then I'm going to continue my thoughts on this. 
Alright, I'm back. So what does this all mean? What does any of this mean? Does it mean anything? I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answers for you. I wish I did. But honestly, I kind of love that I don't. I missed this kind of stuff. I love this kind of stuff. I used to be, when, when Lost was on TV, man, I was all over those Lost message boards trying to piece together every little clue, every little hint, every little possible detail, reading people's theories on what they could be in a lot. And honestly, I think one of the reasons I liked Bray Wyatt as a character so much because he made me feel like I was watching Lost again in a way. I like the mystery of stuff. I like trying to figure stuff out, even if I end up being wrong. It's why I'm an analyst. It's why I'm a WWE analyst. I'm literally analyzing storylines in a, in a scripted environment. I love it. I love it so much. I love doing this. I've been on message boards for wrestling since I was a child, trying to figure out what little, you know, what the 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 countdown to Y2K means, you know, or you know, the Y2K countdown means, or you know, when when we were seeing like the the stuff leading up to uh, the American Badass. Uh, debut just there's so much things I love that kind of stuff and that's what this reminds me of like the kind of wrestling I grew up on and I think it's even cooler that you didn't see any of this unless you noticed that QR code in the back if you're someone who watches the show and isn't on social media which believe it or not there's a lot of those people you didn't even see that. I guarantee unless my dad, until my dad goes on Instagram and sees my Instagram reel about the QR code, he's going to have no idea that that was a thing that happened on the show or something that he should have looked into. And I love that kind of stuff because what it does is build this like groundswell of people anticipating something. It builds anticipation. It's literally playing stuff off TV. It played it in the commercial of SmackDown. It played They, they played White Rabbit. Got a lot of people talking. Then they played it the next night at a live event. And the night after that, and got even more people talking. The online community wants to know what's going on with this white rabbit business. And to further do it for them, they put this QR code in the back. Because I know even most of the hardcore fans we're watching didn't notice it until I brought attention to it. But I've been really looking in the background of stuff since Triple H took over. In fact, I'm starting to think that all the stuff that we've been seeing in the background, I'm starting to think that it was, I think we were supposed to, I think I think when Dexter Loomis came aboard, man, he came out and came back, we were all supposed to think, we were all made to believe that he was the one doing that stuff behind the scenes. Right? The fires, the car crash, the, the glove that we saw for a second. But what if that was a red herring? What if they were all the return of Bray Wyatt? I don't know, man. I'm just thinking out loud here. I'll move on because you're probably like, Ryan, you're going to work yourself into a an, <laughs> into, into insanity. And you're right. I probably will. But I hope you enjoyed taking that trip with me. I think it's Bray Wyatt. I actually, if I really had to give you my actual guess of what I think is going on, I think that somehow it's Bray Wyatt and Karrion Cross together. And I think... That Karrion Cross somehow helped Bray Wyatt defeat the Fiend in this time away. And we're getting the Eater of Worlds back. We're getting OG Bray Wyatt, and that's what this is leading towards. That's what I think is going on. 
OG Bray Wyatt went down the rabbit hole. He killed that demon. He killed that fiend and had to find his way out of hell himself. Had to dig through these holes in either Guatemala or South Arkansas. He had to find his way out of hell. And considering Cross is kind of like a a devilish type vibe, I feel like Cross is the one who helped him get out of there. And they're working together. I don't know. That's my out of that's my left field guess. I've got no idea. I've got no inside information. This is just me going down the rabbit hole, pun intended, tonight. Let's move on. Austin Theory versus Kevin Owens. Theory jumps Owens before the bell in an attempt to prove KO wrong last week. He wants to prove how tough he actually is. And what I liked about this match was that it showed Theory continually trying to prove himself as an in-ring competitor to Owens rather than guy who takes selfies. The match ended with Johnny Gargano stopping Theory from grabbing the Money in the Bank briefcase ringside, which allowed KO to take advantage and hit the pop-up powerbomb for the win. Gargano got in the ring afterward and mocked Theory, then dropped the briefcase on him while laughing. Uh, This was good. I mean, this you know continues continues to show how tough Kevin Owens is. Like I said, uh, made Austin Theory look good, made Austin Theory look um, like a valid in-ring competitor rather than guy who just takes selfies. Continued to push the feud of Gargano and Austin Theory. Just can't complain whatsoever. Uh, I'm into it. I- I'm into all this. I'm into the rebuild of Kevin Owens. I like uh, what they're doing with Gargano. Um, yeah, good good stuff here. Good stuff here. Uh, KO continues to really show that um, that he can be that guy. Matt Riddle talks about what he did earlier with Seth Rollins and says it's far from over between them and that'll keep hunting Seth down. Then he hyped a tag match later in the show where he'll team with Rey Mysterio against the Judgment Day. Ridge Holland and Butch out next they hype up their upcoming tag title match on friday where they'll challenge the usos for the undisputed tag team championships say they will be running the tag team division soon but then they get interrupted by street profits as you can as you can expect it leads to a match between the two street profits versus brawlin brutes after the break street profits were on a roll in the beginning but the brawlin brutes eventually win with a tandem Finish. I thought this was a good way to promote Brawling Brutes getting a title shot this Friday as it put a spotlight on how strong competitors they are against a team who actually has been battling the Usos for months. I mean, even though they didn't come out on top to show that they were able to beat the Street Profits clean, thought that it was a good way of kind of like, thought it was a good way of showing they're on the level of another team who who had back and forth with the Usos. And it, even though they, you know, beat a bunch of teams, I did think that, you know, the, the finish of the SmackDown match, they did kind of steal the win. This one was less of a steal. This one was much more of them just proving their value. So I liked it. I thought it was a good match, uh, them against the, the Street Profits. Uh, it was also interesting to see them there, Sans Sheamus. Uh, but yet they still got a big pop. Still got a big pop. Rey Mysterio interviewed backstage after that. Says if he had known how much resentment Dominic was holding inside, he could have stopped the Judgment Day from poisoning his poor Mijo's mind. Uh, he hopes Dominic will return to him one day, and that everything he did in life 
was for his son, building a legacy for Dominic to carry on. Only if he wanted to, though. Um, I mean, Ray's Ray's always been really good at the the what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I guess sympathetic babyface, where like you feel what he what he's dealing with. I mean, during the whole Seth Rollins feud, he was really when his kids are involved, he can really bring that emotion out of himself. Uh, and so uh, I think that you know we're seeing that here. It's very reminiscent of how he was acting during the Seth Rollins feud. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I've been liking what the, what's been going on between him and Dominic so far. Uh, Johnny Gargano runs into Alpha Academy backstage. He says, Theory has strength in numbers, something Gargano will never have because they have Theory's back. That's when Owens walk, Kevin Owens walks up and makes it clear that he too has Johnny Gargano's back. So Gable challenges them to a tag match next week. KO gladly accepts since it's in Canada. Then Johnny hits Gable with a shoosh for good measure on their way out. One thing that's been very, very noticeable since Triple H took over as head of creative is promoting matches a week out. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't do that. That's what the whole point of these shows are. And sometimes you wouldn't hear about matches until the morning of. And I think that, you know, when you can promote a match for a week, it, it you know, it reminds people to, to tune in. I think that there's a hardcore audience, yes, but also like I've learned from just using social media that like such a small fraction of people actually see your social media posts. So if you only have one day to promote something, it's not as valuable as having a week to promote something. So I like how we've been seeing the promotion of matches ahead of time much more since Triple H took over as head of creative. I also laughed in this segment when uh, when Owens was like, yeah, you know, because it's going to be in Canada or whatever, and and he was like, and Gable was like, wait, can we wait two weeks till it's in my hometown of Minnesota? And he was like, nope, you said next week. And he was like, dang, you're right. I did say next week. <laughs> that cracked me up. Next, we had the Judgment Day versus Rey Mysterio and Matt Riddle. Uh, Judgment Day cut a promo before the match, gloating about taking Edge out. Uh, Rhea says, Dom, Poppy is very proud of you. And then Dom grabs the mic and, dude. It's massive boos, like massive. I was shocked at how intense the boos were. Like each time he spoke, the crowd just drowned out anything he was saying with intense boos, and it helped. Didn't it helped that that the rest of the group was egging on the crowd and stuff? But man, this crowd hates Dominic now. They've done a really good job of getting them to hate Dominic. I mean, so for that much, with the heat alone, it, it, it's working in that regard. If they want Dom, they want Dominic to get that heel heat. Finally, Riddle's music hit. He comes out with Rey Mysterio. They have, they have their match. Uh, the match ends when Rollins jumps Riddle from the timekeeper's area. He then grabs a chair to continue that, but Ray takes it away and chases Seth off. Dominic uh, then drops to his knees, challenging Ray to hit him with the chair, but Ray refuses. Gets back into the ring. Priest hits a choke slam. Balor hits the coup de gras. They get the pinfall. I think, I think that it's going well so far between Dominic and Ray. Um, regardless of what you think about Dominic right now, I think that people clearly are hating him. So that's what they want, and that's working in that regard. And if, it, and he did actually surprisingly seem a lot more comfortable on on the mic while that was happening than in the past. I think that it helped that. The Judgment Day was kind of there to to support him in some way, but he did look a little more comfortable dealing with all the booze, and maybe it's 
maybe it's finally starting to uh, to help him rather than hinder him. Uh, we had Miz TV after that with guest Dexter Loomis. Miz talks about being a victim of a deranged madman the last few weeks. Says it's one thing to attack him or cost him the U.S. title, but Dexter crossed the line when he stepped foot in Miz's home. Miz then says he wants answers face-to-face and asks Dexter to come out. First, nothing happens, but then you see uh, that you see a knife come up from under the ring to cut out a square for for him to to get through. It's an actual knife. You can see it going through. Uh, and when Dexter tries to get up through the hole that he's cut in the ring with his serial killer knife, uh, Ciampa cuts him off. Uh, Miz stares in terror. Miz gets closer to see if Dexter is left, but Dexter pops back up. And Miz retreats as Loomis goes back down into the hole with his creepy stare. Love it. Uh, this was fun. I think that, you know, I I think that the talk show format is something that I'm hoping isn't used as much of a crutch as it was before now that, now that Triple H is in charge of creative. However, this was a fun way of, of doing the, the talk show format. This was something unconventional, uh, a memorable image of, of Dexter cutting the ring with a knife. Um, so in because of that, I, I like it. It wasn't just the standard like talk show format that leads to a challenge to a match, and then after the break, we have that match. Like, or talk show format, someone interrupts, then they that leads to a match between the two. Or talk show format, and the host turns someone someone comes out with the mic, the host turns on the person who was their guest, they get a tag match. Like I just we've seen it so much that if they had you know resorted to using one of those tactics, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed this as much. But I think that if you're trying to get across that. Dexter Loomis is basically a serial killer, stalker, crazy person. Cutting his way through the ring is a good visual considering the guy doesn't really talk. And I'm not really sure how we're ever going to get explanation for why he's doing any of these things. And I know he does. He typically tends to explain himself via art. So we'll have to wait for that, I guess. But I feel like it's going to be a while before we get that. So um, I like, you know, I like keeping things original i like keeping things unique and that's what this was it was a unique way of doing ms tv while keeping the dexter feud live the judgment day were interviewed backstage after the break they talk about how they're going to celebrate and next week priest will be- will beat riddle in a one-on-one match the group then run into aj styles and balor says he'll handle it Styles tries to give him grief, but Ballard points out that he's never done anything bad to AJ Styles. Uh, Styles, though, says he wants nothing to do with Judgment Day, and Ballard asks if he's looking for a fight. Things get tense for a second, but he hugs it out with AJ, saying he knows they're friends. So I'm guessing that in this Judgment Day versus Rey Mysterio feud, uh, that AJ Styles is now going to swap in for Edge for a while. I got to say, you know, unexpected uh, to have Edge kind of, excuse me, to have a Judgment Day come out on top. Um, they did a good way of like, you know, Edge wins a big match, but ultimately they took him out. So they do look strong in all of this. And they're really doing a great job of dropping all of the goth 
stuff involved with the Judgment Day. They added a the, they dropped the 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 goth vibe of everything, and even if their entrance has that that look, they already kind of all had that going for them: metal, goth, whatever. Um, so I I uh, I like that they're really establishing like, oh, we're gonna go out and party, like let's just party, like all that kind of stuff. So, um. I think it's smart the way they're starting to position them. Cocky, young, brash, trying to take down the establishment. And so it looks like AJ Styles is now going to be brought back into things. We haven't really seen him much during the the Triple H era. Not a lot has been going on with him. But now we're going to see two former members of the Bullet Club hashing it out again. And I'm really interested to see how that plays out. I don't think that AJ Styles needs to join the Judgment Day. But I do think that... Going back to this with Triple H in charge has me very interested. Lastly, in the main event, we had Bailey versus Alexa Bliss. Bailey wins with help from Damage Control, and after the match, Damage Control take out Asuka and Bianca Belair. Then Bailey challenges Bianca to a title match at Extreme Rules. That one was pretty inevitable. It was very clear they were going that direction, and honestly. I think you give the title to Bailey at Extreme Rules. Damage Control has been great. And like I said earlier, Damage Control is most likely going to be in the Survivor Series War Games match. Why not have them holding all the gold when they go in there? You got all the gold on the women's side with Damage Control, all the gold on the men's side with the bloodline. It makes a lot of sense, in my opinion. Uh, I've seen people say maybe Charlotte could team up with da- Damage Control. Uh, I saw some speculation over maybe Candice LeRae. Personally, Candice LeRae is like my dream person in that spot. Um, but uh, Charlotte makes sense as well to some degree. But I really think that for that, for other spots in the, if they need additional competitors to be with Damage Control. I think you have Bailey bring up someone from NXT like she did with Dakota Kai and EO Sky. Not sure I. That's what I think. Uh, But I like that that Bailey's getting the the title shot here. Um, It's not that I think that Bianca Belair needs to lose the title or anything like that. I just think that Bailey needs it more right now. And she's getting this massive push with damage control. So why not just give her the title? That's what I say. That's what Ryan Satin says. But now Ryan Satin is done with this podcast. Real quick, though, want to make sure that I mention something here. Uh, I think she already got back to my producer, but I wanted to say that if you listen to Out of Character via podcast, you probably heard that we had a giveaway of an Out of Character uh, World Championship from Trophy Smack. Uh, there was a little secret code that you had to, he, a little secret email embedded in the show. And, and if you heard it and sent a message in, uh, you know, let it let it be known that you subscribed to the show. And then you sent in the proof of that to that email. You got, a, you got one of the title belts that we have on set. For those of you who watch via YouTube, it's got the logo. It says, out of character, it's from Trophy Smack. It's really cool. We gave away the first one. It's to Cassie. Pow at Cassie Maya on Twitter, and uh, congratulations! I'm excited that you get that. Make sure you send me a picture when you get it, and we'll be doing another giveaway in the next episode of Out of Character. So make sure if you're a podcast listener, 
you're listening out for that. Also, if you are a podcast listener, if you're listening to this right now and you're not subscribed to the show, what are you doing? Just subscribe. Help me out. You clearly enjoyed listening to some degree or just enjoyed arguing back with me in your car or while you're working out or in your head. So hit that subscribe button. And also, if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating or a review. If you leave a review, I read them at the top of the show. As you hear, read some of the positive ones there. So so hook it up. I'll show a little love back to you. Also, subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find Out of Character on video every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. But you can also find stuff in the community tab. You can find... Uh, YouTube shorts that we're posting. You can find clips from Raw and SmackDown and so much more. So make sure that you're subscribed to WWE on Fox on YouTube. You can even hit that little bell to make sure you get notified when a new video goes live. And also follow us on social media at WWE on Fox, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok. We're all over the place. We're all over social media. Hook it up with a follow. All right, that's it. I'm done officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been your Raw Roundup. Download the all-new Fox Sports app now. 